in the early weeks and months of the pandemic, which seems like a long, long time ago now, doesn't it? I started getting these emails from our people in our wider Unitarian Universalist network, from the Minister's Association and from our regional staff and even from national leaders trying to be helpful and supportive in that uncertain time. And though I do appreciate the effort and the good intentions behind those emails, it didn't take long before they started sounding, at least to my ear, pretty much the same. Saying things like, we know you're caring a lot these days, you're probably stressed trying to figure out how to do church in a new way and all the technical stuff. But we want to remind you to just breathe. At some point in time, sitting in front of my computer, I said out loud, if I get one more email with a subject line saying, just breathe, I am going to scream. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Have you ever been worked up or stressed out and someone tells you in an annoyingly soft voice, calm down? Okay, I have to confess I have done that, at least to my spouse, so I am guilty. But if someone has said that to you or if you've done that to someone, does it help in that moment? No, not usually. It's well-meaning, but it's not always or not usually what you want and need to hear in that moment, is it? We all get stressed. We all need ways to come back home to ourselves, to feel grounded and to remember that we are here, breathing in and breathing out. And we all need to blow off steam sometimes, don't we? And hopefully we have ways to do that that are healthy and life-affirming. In my experience, doing something physical can be good. Splitting nails, no, splitting wood. <laughs> Have you ever tried splitting a nail? <laughs> splitting wood and pounding nails, as long as you don't hit your finger with the hammer, those can be pretty satisfying. As well as can be verbally expressing your frustration in an appropriate setting, like a car when you're all alone, or maybe with a trusted companion. We all need people in our lives, right, that we can raise our voices and even use spicy language, right, to someone who's able to receive it. Don't tell people that you got it here. But I did read somewhere one time that if you, like, bang your finger with a hammer or something, and if you swear loudly, it actually reduces the pain. So... Take that for what it's worth from one who, you know, uses that technique. 
I have said to some of you here that I hope you know that I can be a safe place to come and blow off steam, a, a safe person to do that with if you need that. And so just, just keep that in mind, okay? The other day I got an email from a church consultant who I did a workshop with years ago. Her name is Susan Beaumont. And she'd written a column about how overwhelming these days can be. When we're still having to learn how to do things in new ways and constantly adjusting to the uncertainty and the new realities that we're facing, you know, wearing masks and wondering if it's safe to do this or do that. And if you're like me, also feeling annoyed that some people still haven't gotten with the program? Like, come on. There's a lot that one could feel stressed about these days, even overwhelmed. And then Susan wrote something that grabbed me. She said, to move out of overwhelm, you need to make a spiritual shift from striving to surrender. That word surrender keeps popping up for me. And does this ever happen to you? People keep telling you about the same book or movie or a word or an image seems to keep appearing right in front of you like the universe is trying to tell you something? Well, surrender keeps popping up for me. The trouble is, surrender feels pretty vulnerable to me. I like feeling in control. Anybody else? Like, yeah. And we live in a culture that tells us in a bunch of ways that we should be in control, that teaches this from an early age. I remember a poem that I memorized in my early elementary days called Invictus. It ends with these lines, I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. And that's what we were taught to be, right? In, in charge and in control. Was anybody among us taught at an early age that we were supposed to embrace the idea of surrender? That we were supposed to be the ones waving the white flag? On a national level, you see our love of control reflected in politicians who win because they brag about how tough they're going to get on crime and who assure us that we can buy our safety by spending billions on the military and on homeland security. It's perfectly natural to like this illusion of control. It's lovely and seductive. But as we get older, we start to learn otherwise, don't we? Life teaches us and our bodies start to tell us that there is so much that is beyond our control. Our invitation this month to open up to vulnerability, that is a lot about letting go of control.
And I wonder how that is landing with you. If you're feeling some resistance or some ambivalence, just know you're not alone. It's in our DNA to seek security and safety. But it's not always in our best interest. Despite what the headlines would have us believe, we actually live in a time and a place where we are less physically vulnerable than at almost any time in human history. Thanks to vaccines and the lack of war on our soil for so long now, thanks to the fact that we still do have something of a social safety net and that we have made social progress over the generations, people are generally living longer and better lives. I sense that the greater risk for us in these days is to imagine danger where there is none, to hold back in fear because of what we are thinking might happen, could happen, and therefore to cut ourselves off from the love and the goodness and the grace that is all around, just waiting to be noticed. To wrap ourselves in some kind of armor and insulate ourselves from what is around us would be to separate us, separate ourselves like wrapping ourselves in bubble wrap. And then we wouldn't be able to feel, or it would be too hot, like I'm thinking of this warm October sun that blessed us this week. I love this time of year when you actually want to get into the sun because it just warms you down to your bones a little bit. It's lovely. The way of vulnerability is an invitation to a deeper and richer spiritual life. But it does require letting go of some control. It asks you to trust that you will be held and supported that it's okay, that it's actually good and helpful to surrender. Back when I was a little boy, I'm imagining five or six years old, I took swimming lessons at the YMCA in downtown Charlotte. And I can still picture that big pool with its blue-gray tile I can still remember that pungent chlorine smell. The swimming teacher was an older man. At least back then I thought he was older. He's probably younger than I am now. His name was Jack Morrow. And I can see his face and the silver rimmed glasses that he wore like it was yesterday. I have this visceral memory of being in that pool and holding on to the railing, the gutter at the edge of the pool, hanging on for dear life because my feet could not touch the bottom where we were in that pool. And so when it was my turn to swim, Jack, who was a few feet out into the pool, he stretched out his arms to, toward me and he beckoned to me to let go of that wall that I was clutching to for dear life 
and to turn and swim out to him into his arms. So finally I did do that, probably took a deep breath and pushed away and started paddling furiously with my hands to try to keep my head and as much of my body as possible above the water. And miracle of miracles, he started to get a little bit closer. I was swimming. But then, you know what happened? Jack started to back away from me. And he was grinning at me while he did it. And this made me mad. And it made me scared. And I felt hurt and betrayed even. Tears welled up in my eyes. This wasn't the deal. I only had to swim to that first line where he was standing. That's what he said. Not out into the middle of the pool. Eventually, I did get to Jack's arms. I don't know if he could tell that I was crying or not. And he held me and he laughed and he said something like, You did it. But I did not feel glad or safe in those arms. Maybe relieved, but also less trusting of that man. And clearly, I've never forgotten that experience. (laughs) So, if I struggle a little to let go, maybe I come by it honestly. What about you? Are there lessons from a ways back that it might be helpful for you to unlearn or try to let go of? The God that I pray to, the spirit in which I try to put my trust, is not like my swimming teacher from long ago that one who was always backing up and not after that moment ever feeling safe again. No, I trust that the God of our universalist faith, whose other name is love, is more like the water that filled that pool, which if you stretched out your arms and laid on your back and kept remembering to breathe in and fill your lungs, that water would hold you up just fine. We'll support you, we'll caress you, we'll bless you. It wasn't like the ocean, which is even better at doing this, you know, and one of the joys of swimming in salt water, but it still will hold you up. Who among us needs to make a spiritual shift from paddling fearfully and furiously to floating freely to just drifting for a change? Who wants and needs to move from striving to surrender? I do. I am so sensing that invitation these days and also the necessity of slowing down, of letting go of something so I can make a deeper dive 
into that space that is more vulnerable, but also that space where we will feel more alive. This shift from striving to surrender, it means letting down your guard, opening up to what is, slowing down and dropping down enough to notice what is going on right here, right now, in us and around us. I was recently down on the New Jersey shore with my family, and most days I did my morning prayer and meditation practice out on the porch. One morning I did this with my eyes open, looking up at the clear blue sky, which that morning was punctuated by these yellow clouds being lit by the sun that was just about to come over the horizon. And I felt comforted and held by that wide expanse of blue and by the daily miracle of the rising sun. You know what I'm talking about, this moment that words can't adequately describe. But in that moment, it came to me that I did not have to do anything that God is already holding the space and that anything we do is just an echo and an acknowledgement of that and that the invitation is, as they say, to let go and let God or let the universe or let whatever it is you want to name that force, that source, to let it hold it all and let go of that illusion that you or I are in charge or in control. Give up the fight for some other moment, Gretchen Haley reminds us, for some other life than here and now. Surrender only to this life, this day, this hour, not because it does not constantly break your heart, but because it also beckons with beauty, startles with delight, if only we keep waking up. If only we keep waking up. This, my friends, is what we are trying to do here and what it means to be a person of faith, to keep waking up to these lives that we have been given and to the mystery around us and to these companions and to, to these opportunities we have to share the love and the good that we have known. You don't have to do anything just to be as they say, just breathe. <laughs> the invitation is to relax a little and let down your guard a bit so that the goodness and the grace can come on in. 
so that they can find you, so they can hold you up and remind you that you are beloved on this earth. That you are beloved on this earth. Now and forever. Amen.